Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. NCAA tournament related more so, but NFL free agency is cooking up, folks. We are less than two weeks away from the official new league year beginning. And only about 10 days away from legal tampering beginning as well, which is pretty much the start of free agency. I'm Kevin Bowen, back another edition of Kevin's Corner. Julie Molinaro is out today, so I will be coming to you with probably the most unique podcast I think we've done here. Um, I want to save kind of a bigger free agency preview for next week when uh, when Joey gets back. But I, I, I think for now, uh, we're going to have a couple interviews uh, on this podcast. And I know a lot of you, or at least some of you, know that I work for 107.5 The Fan, which is an ESPN radio station here in, in Indianapolis. And this week I've been filling in for Dan Dockich and for JMV, the, the afternoon um, shows here on the station. And I was able to catch up with Dane Brugler from The Athletic and Lance Zerline from NFL Network, two great draft analysts um, that I thought brought a lot of tremendous insight, and I really enjoyed talking to them. I know a lot of you uh, listeners have said, you know, get some draft analysts on, things like that, and it's something I do want to do more of when we get into late March and early April. Um, so we're going to play those two interviews here on on today's podcast. So again, a lot of it will sound like, you know, obviously I'll be reading some Dan Dockage type uh, type ads during um nothing too long by any means, but um you'll 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 hear some of that, but I'll also come back and we'll we'll recap what which each guy says, and then uh, certainly get into Twitter questions as usual. Um, so again, Dane Brugler from the Athletic, uh, Lance Zerline from NFL Network. Uh, last week's podcast, if you missed it, it was more of a combine takeaway. That was pretty much the main stuff that I had on the combine, um, some written content up on 107.5 The Fan, uh, if there's anything that you missed there, from, uh, w- which was a pretty busy week. And, and there's a lot of Twitter questions that I'll get into today, and so we'll touch on some of that now. But uh, let's get to Dane Brugler here. This is him from The Athletic uh, joining me early, earlier in the week. Boy, top three, top four draft experts out there. Got a subscription to The Athletic. He's a must. Prospects to Pros podcast. He is Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Dane, how you doing on this Tuesday? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I do have to say to start off that uh, what a what a great host Indianapolis was again for for another combine. This is my tenth combine, and I think every year it just gets better. And uh, I really enjoy my my week in Indianapolis every year. Appreciate you saying that, Dane. Favorite uh, favorite watering hole, favorite restaurant you got in Indy? Hopefully, it's a sponsor. Well, it, I have to go St. Elmo's. I mean, it's, I know it's uh, kind of cliche. That's what you do, you do when you go there. But uh, the steak every year, it just it never disappoints. Yeah, that was that was that was the answer I was expecting. I thought you might sneak in a, a steak and shake visit. <laughs> well, no. Well, that's there are different times of the day. You know, if it's uh, <laughs> eight o'clock, that, that's St. Elmo's. If it's it's midnight, that's when you do steak and shake. And so, it, depending on the time of night. That's when you you know the right places to go to to uh, maybe catch up with a coach or uh, w- with some uh, maybe some loose lips out there in the NFL. <laughs> DP Brugler on Twitter, Dane Brugler joining us here on the Dan Dockett Show. Uh, just off the top of your head, Dane, three or four guys that really impressed you at the combine and you think improved their stock. Well, it's hard to improve your stock when you're already a, a top ten pick, but uh, I mean when you look at Isaiah Simmons, uh, the Clemson do everything defender. Uh, running, uh, going out there at 238 pounds, running in the four threes, uh, and then kind of just shutting it down, saying, "All right, I'm good." Um, just uh, you know, kind of drop the mic moment for him. He's just a a new breed, and it's really fascinating that 10, 15 years ago he would have been labeled as a player without a position, but in today's NFL, he's uh, you know the the most popular guy at the dance because. He can do a little bit of everything, and he's a four-down player. You want him to blitz, you want him to play the run, you want him to play in coverage, line up in the slot. Uh, that type of value is something that's really in vogue right now in the NFL. And so 
Uh, even though he's a top 10 pick, I think he is a real possibility starting probably at number three in the Lions. Um, I think uh, staying on that side of the ball in defense, C.J. Henderson, the corner from Florida, uh, I thought performed outstanding, not only in the drills, but also the field work. He was terrific. I think, you know, Jeff Okuda, he's the top corner, but we were all wondering, okay, who's the, who's the top guy at the position in that second tier? And C.J. Henderson from Florida separated himself, I think, from the rest of the pack. Uh, on offense, uh, Justin Jefferson from LSU, the receiver. You know, we had the big three with Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs. I thought Justin Jefferson really made a case to either be included in that, that mix or to be that first guy in that second tier uh, as a first-round player, ran a 4-4-3 in the 40, and his, his field work was impeccable. Uh, the gauntlet was perfect. Um, you know, if I'm an agent or a coach, I'm taking that tape and I'm showing my receivers next year, uh, this is how you do it. This is how you go to Indy and how you crush it. Justin Jefferson, I thought, really helped himself. And then I have to talk about the tackles. Uh, again, guys that we knew were good. Uh, Mekhi Becton from Louisville and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. We knew these guys were talented. They're already mocked as top ten players. But all three were just outstanding. Uh, Andrew Thomas, probably throw him in there as well from Georgia. Uh, this is the most top-heavy offensive tackle class we've seen in a long time. I was listening to Mike Mayock uh, last week, and he mentioned in a normal year about 12 to 14 wideouts go in the first three rounds. He thinks this year 20 to 25 will get third, you know, top three-round grades. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think the consensus is wideout is the deepest position group in this draft. What do you see as maybe number two and three as deepest uh, spots here in 2020? Well, I think, yeah, wide receiver, no question, is the top. Um, and then when you look at the next deepest positions, uh, you know, I would say corner has to be up there. Um, you know, not only is it a position that a lot of teams are looking for more help on the outside and then, you know, in the slot, um, but there's the talent that matches up. And I mentioned Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson. But right after them, you've got guys like A.J. Terrell from Clemson, Christian Fulton, LSU, uh, Gladney, Diggs. I mean, we can go on and on. There's probably going to be seven, eight, nine corners off the board in the first uh, 60 picks or so. So cornerback is going to be very well uh, represented. Um, I think running back as well. Um, it's, it's tough. When you do – I just actually finished my uh, three-round mock draft, and uh, it'll be up on the site tomorrow on The Athletic. And when you, when you do these, it's tough to find landing spots for these running backs in the first round. Uh, and it's not because the talent isn't there. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he going out and running a 4-3 um, was really impressive. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. There's a lot of talent at, at the running back position, but trying to figure out uh, where they're going to land uh, is the difficult part. We might not see any go in the first round, which is going to present tremendous value in round two. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. You can go, you know, Cam Akers in the third round, and then there's plenty of options going into day three. So it's a very flush group of running backs in this class. Dane Brigler from The Athletic joining us here on the Four Winds Lakeside in the Marina Hotline. I'm Kevin Bowen filling in for Dan Dockich. Dane, when you look at Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, those are two names that we know the Colts are intrigued by. Uh, can you give me a, a general range on both? The, the, the highest you see Herbert and Love going and maybe the furthest down you see them falling? That's a great question. And it is really tough to answer because, you know, I mean, you know, quarterback, uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, it, one team's going to feel really strongly about one where another team feels the opposite. And so I, I will say this. I don't think that it should, should surprise anybody if either Herbert or Love is the second quarterback drafted. You know, Burrow, Joe Burrow is going to be the first above quarterback Tua? drafted. Yes, above Tua. Because the injury, the durability stuff is something that's a question mark. It's regardless of all the, you know, there's a lot of good things being said out there, and, and that's great. But until Tua throws on April 9th, we really, everything's up in the air. Like talking to teams, they're cautiously optimistic. But when you watch Tua throw the football at Alabama, he, he uses so much of his hip action, his body, the biomechanics to generate that force. And it, it, all that torque on his body just creates a lot of concern when you're talking about a, you know, a fractured hip. And then you also factor in all the other durability concerns. And the fact that he's not a big guy and the way he plays, the way he likes to improvise and find those second-chance plays, 
he's going to take hits in the NFL. And so teams are, are a little worried about that. And so if he goes out there on April 9th and has at his own personal pro day and, and kind of struggles a little bit in terms of maybe looking a little too robotic or just doesn't look as fluid as he used to, that's something that could affect him. So I would not be surprised at all if Burrow or Love is that second quarterback drafted. Um, but, you know, is that at five to Miami? Um, you know, it, it, could one of them fall to, uh, you know, 13 uh, at the Colts? I think that's possible. Um, you know, the Bucks at 14 are an interesting spot. I mean, the Patriots are, are interesting. So there's there's a, we can kind of identify where the teams are that could use a quarterback but trying to actually match them up with a specific quarterback at this point, it's still early and it's still, it's still tough to do. So, um, you know, I think, you know, Burrow's going one to the Bengals and then things get really interesting. Do we see a trade up? Um, you know, how interested are the chargers in one of these quarterbacks? Uh, so it's, it, it is a really interesting group of quarterbacks that I, I think we're still trying to figure out. And obviously the domino here in free agency getting ready to start, will will play a big, big part into that as well. Dane, your, your day two quarterbacks, um, walk me through some guys that you like there, because I think there are some Colts fans that are of the thinking right now, do they go Phillip Rivers in free agency, maybe take a wideout or a defensive tackle at 13, and then they sit there at 34 and 44 and even 75 uh, overall in round three. What does kind of your order look like in day two, day three quarterbacks that uh, could be on the Colts' minds? Yeah, Jake Fromm is, is the really interesting one uh, because, you know, I think we walk it away from the combine. I heard people talking about how, you know, he was a faller or, you know, he hurt himself uh, because, you know, his his physical traits really don't jump out at you. You know, his his arm is average. He's he's not the biggest guy. He's an average athlete. Uh, but what really helps Fromm is behind the scenes, what fans will get a chance to see, and that's uh, meeting with coaches, going up on the whiteboard, uh, you know, X's and O's talk. That, that's what really impresses coaches, you know, the, to the point where coaches are walking away from that, that meeting saying, okay, well, I learned something in that meeting. And it's not just, you know, from trying to take notes. It, he is a kind of take charge guy when it comes to the X's and O's uh, of football. It's kind of just right down his alley. If, if it was in a language, uh, he is very fluent, and that's something that will impress coaches and have them, you know, banging the table saying, I want this guy in my quarterback room. So I think that would make a lot of sense for the Colts in the second round. Um, and, you know, if they go maybe the short-term option with a Phillip Rivers or someone like that, you, you draft from in, in the second round, and it's kind of like a Brissett situation where we're not necessarily going all in on a guy like Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but we're going to give him a chance and see what he can do, and it'll be similar with Jake Fromm. It's a second-round price tag, so it's not you're not investing a ton in him, but you still think there is value in what he can offer you. So I think that'd be an interesting fit. Um, Jacob Eason's obviously kind of the other direction you can go. He's pretty much the opposite of a Jake Fromm, where you do worry about where he is in his mental development at this point, but the physical traits are off the charts. Um, yeah, he has the arm strength to put the ball anywhere he wants in the field, He's basically a bigger, slower, emphasis on slower, uh, Matthew Stafford. And that slower part is what kind of what you worry about under pressure. Can he negotiate the pocket, handle the pass rush? Um, so I, I think there are worries there with Eason. But the reasons to like him are, are pretty obvious, and it's that arm. DP Brugler on Twitter. Dane Brugler joining us here on the Dan Dockett Show. I uh, wanted to ask you about a couple local guys before we let you go here, Dane. Um, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. It seems like especially Claypool um, had a great, great combine. Where do you kind of see the range for the Notre Dame tight end and star wideout? Yeah, running in the low 4.4s at 240 pounds, certainly impressive. And uh, I think what's really going to help Claypool as well is the fact that he had 25 tackles at Notre Dame. I mean, this is a guy that special teams coaches are going to be pushing for because uh, they want to get him on special teams coverages. Because uh, when you're that size and you have that speed and you're, you know, flying down the field uh, on punt coverages, on kick uh, coverages, that, that just brings extra value. And so with a guy like Claypool, NFL teams look at him and say, at worst, we're looking at a number four receiver who's going to provide excellent special teams coverages. And then at best, he's a guy that can maybe develop into a featured weapon for us. So I think that's what puts Claypool in that second round conversation. Uh, I thought maybe he was probably a third rounder going in, but the way he worked out and, and tested, I think that it's going to be hard for him to get out of the second round. And then Cole Komet, 
he's in that conversation to be the first tight end drafted. Uh, I think the big question will be, is there, will there be a tight end drafted in the top 50 picks this year? And I think Cole Komet definitely has a chance. Uh, you look at the Chicago Bears. They have a need at tight end, and they're picking right there at number 50 in the second round. So I think that could be a possible marriage that would make sense for both sides. Where's Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue fall on your tight end board? Uh, yeah, a really, really good athlete. Um, I, you know, he, he he's up and down, catching the football, uh, a little unreliable. Um, as a blocker, he's only going to give you so much. I think he's more of a, uh, a secondary option on your on your roster. So I, I, I view him as more of a fourth rounder, early day three. Um, you take a, a chance on a player like that because he's more of a slot receiver than a true inline tight end. But that's okay because there's value in that. You can certainly use that as a weapon in the NFL. Dane, it is currently 54 and sunny in Indianapolis. I'm sorry we could not have replicated that last week for you, but glad you had a great time. And um, I, I don't know if I speak for you. I certainly speak for myself and all the listeners. We're, uh, we're, we're hoping the Combine doesn't leave Indianapolis anytime soon. No, you've you got my vote, that's for sure. And so I'm already looking forward to next year. We can do it again. Love it. That's Dane Brugler right there hopping on with us on the Dan Dockett Show. Dane, appreciate the time. Anytime. Thanks, Kevin. And great draft analyst from NFL Network, I believe. Didn't run into him, but I believe he was at the Combine last week. He is Lance Zerline from the NFL Network. Thanks for coming on today, Lance. No problem. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Indy Monday through Sunday. Love it. Favorite bar, favorite restaurant? Um, I didn't get Bluebeard this year, but I've been uh, two years ago. It was really good. Still love Basbo's Pizza, me and Matt Money Smith go every year, and then uh, love love me some basketballs. Yeah, and then you know I'm in Houston, so I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to Mexican food, but I think Nada's is pretty good. Yeah, they're downtown. I'm a I was a a fan of that. We hit Berg. I mean, we're there forever, so I hit a bunch of places, but only like after 10:45 when the combine was over. So it was a rush to try to make it somewhere before you know before the uh, uh, before the kitchen's closed. Well, I'm glad you got a little taste of Fountain Square and Bluebeard a couple of years ago. I used to live over there, and sometimes at the combine, mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh, we just do the steakhouses downtown." And yeah, you actually, man, you actually got some variety up. in there. Yeah, I mean, you had a, a James Beard nominated chef, so I'm gonna go check out that spot. I went somewhere last year. I actually saw Matt Rule there um, when he was with Baylor. He and his wife were there. His wife went to culinary school. A lot of people don't realize that. And uh, hmm. we were at a place that was out north of town, and I can't remember what the name was, but it was. Man, it was really, really good, and uh, wish I could remember the name, but saw Coach Rule there, so he's like, yeah, we hit all the best food spots, and so, yeah, there's a couple places in Indy. I've done the steakhouse stuff. It's, a, I mean, I once again, I'm from Texas, so the steakhouse thing isn't going to – I'm partial to my own steaks, but, uh, but, but, yeah, I think Indy's got a couple places that are little hidden gems unless you live there and you know it. Well, let us know when you come out with your mock draft of Indy restaurant scene, and we'll be uh... – <laughs> We'll have you back on the show for that. Uh, big, big combine takeaways overall. Schedule change thoughts. Uh, anything stand out to you about the week long uh, visit I mean, here to Indy? You know, so scouts like the schedule change. Coaches didn't. The coaches think there's just too much downtime. Scouts had additional time in the morning to get interviews done and things like that. And then when the workouts were done, they were done for the day. As opposed to after workouts, they have to do a lot of their additional stuff and meetings and yada yada. So. Uh, you know, I, my inconveniences or whatever I think is good, or that's irrelevant. The only thing that matters is are the players okay with working out at 9, 9.30? I mean, we got guys running three-cone drills at 11 o'clock. That's not optimal. So I, I don't know what they can do to figure that out. But unless the players or the agents complain about it or unless there's a thought that it, it, it ended up hurting people's workouts, I don't think we're going to see any changes. Isaiah Simmons from Clemson seemed to be one of the standouts. Could you see him going in, in, in the top five? We don't see kind of off-ball linebackers get into the top five really very often at all, but do you see him being a guy that that could? Yeah, I, I think he could. I think he could. Obviously, the Giants at four, I, I put him there in my last mock, but that was in January. I'll have another one coming up this month. But um, he's a guy that can, you know, he can rush off the edge. He can play safety. He can play linebacker, all those instincts and, and just feel for that position, really need work. Um, he's just got tremendous length and speed. I mean, my cop is Darius Leonard, but, I mean, he is a souped-up Darius Leonard in terms of his ability to not only do 
a lot of different things and have great movement skills around the field, but his explosiveness is just different. So I think, um, you know, when you have those kind of traits and then you have that kind of versatility, that really plays in today's NFL. And I, I think top five is, is, is definitely something that he should be shooting for. Will he get there? We'll see. But with this kind of athletic ability, off-ball linebacker, uh, safety, slot corner, you know, slash big nickel, I don't care how you want to play him. I mean, he's, he's, he's got talent and he's got traits. Lance Erline from NFL Network joining us here on the Dan Dockett Show. I'm Kevin Bowen filling in. For Double D, uh, you mentioned your last mock was in January. At that point, Caleb on Chase on the LSU defensive end was your pick to the Colts at 13. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of thoughts on on, on uh, players that might be in the mix at 13 for the Colts that are intriguing to you? Well, I mean, I think anytime you look at quarterback, um, if, if one of those quarterbacks were there, I think you obviously have to take a look at that. You know, I don't know. I mean, the Colts need wide receiver. That's not typically Chris Ballard's M.O. is to fire on a wide receiver in the middle of the first. So I don't know. if, But but if one comes up that's really talented, if C.D. Lamb, you know, if there was a big run on tackles and a big run on quarterbacks and, and, then, and then, you know, defensive players like Chase Young, and there's a potential that you could see four quarterbacks gone. You could see four tackles gone. I mean, there's a potential. All of a sudden, that's eight, Chase Young, nine. Isaiah Simmons 10 and then uh, um, Derek Brown 11 well all of a sudden you got Raiders who have wide receiver need um, which I think they might go in that direction and then you have Colts so there is a possibility that the top wide receiver could be on the board at 13 would would Chris Ballard do that I, I don't know I don't know if he would go wide receiver there and I know there are some other teams who kind of feel like they would rather have a player in round one and then a wide receiver in round two because it's such a deep wide receiver draft. But I still think Chason makes a lot of sense there if he's available. Um, if C.D. Lamb were available there, maybe even Jerry Judy, you know, you, you might take a look at that. But then, obviously, defensive line is, is another one. And Javon Kinlaw is a player who I think would be an intriguing fit for, you know, Ballard was in Kansas City when they drafted Chris Jones, and there's some elements of, of Ken Law's game that are reminiscent, body type that are reminiscent of Chris Jones. So, yeah, I, I think he's an interesting fit there with the Colts at that spot. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, but you, you know Chris from maybe his days when he was down in Texas? Yeah, I know him from when he was a scout with the Bears. When you think, you know, kind of – his philosophy and, you know, growing up from Chicago and, and, and being under um, Jerry Angelo and, and that group and then sliding over to Kansas City, to me, he has preached trenches so often, and that's why I feel like if it was a Judy Kinlaw on the board situation, I feel like he's a guy that, that that's going to go Kinlaw. Yeah, you know, in full disclosure, I mean, Ballard is kind of my, my mentor, and he taught me a lot about philosophy um, when I first got, my dad has been, an, you know, he retired. He's a longtime NFL coach and college coach. So all my offensive line stuff comes from him. But Ballard really opened my eyes to different philosophies. And I got to know Jerry and Rex Hogan, a lot of the guys who were, who were in that Chicago uh, sphere. And as, for as long as I've known Chris, it's been build the trenches, build the trenches, build the trenches. Because that's, you know, what it was in Chicago. You look at, at the Chiefs and they've had similar successes by drafting in the trenches. And then you, you know, their best players, um, obviously a quarterback is, is is different, clearly. But then their top tight end, Kelsey, he wasn't a first-rounder. Tyreek Hill wasn't a first-rounder. So I think the idea is bigger, faster, bigger, stronger, longer. You know, those kind of guys in the trenches, they don't grow on trees. And those, those guys typically go into first round. So you want to you want to spend earlier round picks to get those guys. Bill Belichick has done that for years with the uh with the Patriots if you study how he drafts so I tend to agree with you if the Ken Law you know maybe now maybe it's a different because the Colts just couldn't get anything explosive going offensively when T.Y. was out maybe it would be different maybe they have a super high grade on a wide receiver I mean but historically if it were Ken Law or Judy you know I would have to especially with this being such a deep wide receiver draft I would have to think that, that Ken Law would probably get the nod in that you know in that direction based on on Chris's history yeah going back to your bigger stronger whatever longer comment you know I remember Chris's quote I think honestly he said this last week down at the combine speed especially on defense it allows you to make a mistake or two or it it can Mm -hmm. cover up 
a mistake or two, whether it be the player or the scheme or something like that. And I feel like in the indoor surface that the Colts play on, that's what he looks for, maybe more so than anything else on the defensive side of the ball is, is that speed element. I mean, he's got to look at his linebackers. They're all a bunch of, they might as well be track guys. I mean, it's nothing but arm length and speed at linebacker. And that's what he's been drafting. So, yeah, I mean, that's clearly the bears model. That's Erlacher and that's Briggs. And I mean, that that's the bears model of speed on defense um, allows you to, you, you, you basically shrink the field when you're fast, you can restrict and constrict the field. And so then if you're big up front, now you got big guys, you have a heart. So you got the speed to constrict the field, both vertically and horizontally. And then you, I mean, uh, yeah, vertically and horizontally. And then you have the big guys to, to win in the trenches. So there's nowhere to go. So if we shrink the field and force you inside, and then you got to deal with guys who are bigger, stronger, you know, and longer then then they're going to have a hard time. You're, you, that, that's the theory is that opposing offenses are going to have a hard time beating you because you're bigger in the middle and you're faster on the flanks. Lance Erline from NFL Network joining us here on the Four Winds Lakeside in a Marina Hotline. Uh, when we're talking day two quarterbacks, Lance, uh, what, what's your kind of pecking order look like once you get past maybe the big four or five? Ugh, gross. Um, that bad? It's not great. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, to be honest with you, yeah, I'm pulling up my quarterbacks now because once, to me, it goes, it's Burrow, then Tua, and then there's a, a drop, and then it goes Herbert, and then there's a little bit of a drop. Then it's for me. And then it goes Love, and then there is a big drop after that to um, Jacob Eason, and then another drop to, and he'd be at day two. And then after that, I think every, I mean, I think Hurts will get drafted in day two, but I think he's a day three quarterback. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, he's not an option for the Colts. Jake Fromm, to me, is just a game manager. He's a, a day three quarterback. Nate Stanley, sixth round is when I would take a, a shot at him, fifth or sixth. And you got a big-arm quarterback at a Florida International, James Morgan, but all he does is throw fastballs, and he's, you know, he, he hasn't been as accurate as he needs to be. So it's really, if you want a quarterback, you're going to have to take a shot at your top four. Um, you know the top four. And then – Certain teams will believe in Eason more than others. And then once you get to Fromm, you're going to say, okay, this is a guy who can be a game manager, but we've got to surround him with a lot of what he needs. Why the uh, why have Jordan Love as low as you do? Yes, you have him four, but you said a big gap between Herbert and him. It seems like there are okay. some, some of your pundits believe him a little bit higher. So I've got Herbert at 26th. I think Love at 52nd. Um, wow. but the difference is i got a 6'4 grade on Herbert and a 6'3 grade on Love. Uh, and both of the six four or six three is will be a starter within the first two years. So it's not that, you know, it's not that crazy. Um, and and honestly, my problem with Love is he just was not good this year. He was just not good. And I know about it. he didn't have his head coach and his offense coordinator, and he lost nine starters next to him. You got to play better than he did on tape. You got to make better decisions. That I I don't want to hear about why well, I didn't have my starters. And you can still make better decisions. You're not the first quarterback ever to operate with, you know, after losing starters. I mean, you can still make smarter decisions. You can still throw with anticipation. You can still read the field properly. That's kind of a little bit of people give him a little bit of um, um, just a little safety net to fall back on for his poor performance this year. And he just played poorly. I mean, you know, 2018, he was terrific. He played poorly in 19. Burrow played great in 19 and didn't play all that well in 18. You know, I'm looking at both of those years. That's why Joe Burrow, to me, is a good quarterback. I've got a good grade on him, but he's not Superman. I, I know what his flaws are. And Jordan Love is not as bad as 2019 was for him. But I can't just automatically default to 18 and assume that's who he is either. I've got to take a, a combination of the two, and then you weigh him however you weigh him. But I've got a good grade on Love. I think 6-3 is a good grade. i got a solid second-round grade on him. He's going in the first. But I, I I think there's a little bit of a lower floor on him, and it's a concern for me. Is that just simply quarterbacks could push up the board and, and yep. while we're hearing all this chatter on Love? Yep. And, and and people have started to try to convince themselves he's, he's um, you know, Pat, the next Pat Mahomes. And who knows? Maybe he is. I mean, I thought Pat Mahomes was a late first-rounder. And there was enough NFL teams, I know three of them for a fact, that really loved him. And one of them moved up and got him, and that was Kansas City Chiefs. And the rest is history. He's the best quarterback in football. 
Lance, when you look at the receiver group, you mentioned C.D. Lamb earlier, historically deep class. Yards after catch, guys. Guys that are going to do damage with the ball in their hands. Uh, give me give me a couple of guys that you like in that specific skill set. Well, I think there's two that you would look at. One is going to be um, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. I mean, he's the ultimate yak daddy. He is tremendous when it comes to um, yards after catch. You get it in his hands. He's a tough runner. He's uh, he's tough to not only is he a physical runner, but he's an elusive runner. So he combines he combi- combines elusiveness along with a good strong finishing pop and 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 unwillingness to be tackled by the first tackler. And I think the other guy is Jalen Rager. And Jalen Rager from TCU, um, he's faster than what he ran. I mean, look, six four five is plenty fast. But he was working out in the six threes. I don't know if he got tight. I don't know if it was the time difference and having to run later, but that's another guy who's really explosive after the catch. And so I think those two guys, I think Rager as a potential second rounder, if you first is too early for me, but Brandon Ayuk is another one. Second rounder, I've got him as a 43rd ranked prospect. I think that's a good pick in the second round. And then one more guy, KJ Hamler. But to me, he's got some similarities to T.Y. Hilton. So from a Colts standpoint, I don't know if I love that. Now you can split either, you can split T.Y. out wide but Hamler's another guy who has phenomenal speed and can get yards after catch and can really hit the big plays but the problem you have there is that um, he's also got drops and so if you're not catching the ball effectively and he has to prove he can catch it effectively then you know you're not much good Ruggs is probably the most dangerous of the group and if the Colts really wanted to get froggy they could go grab a guy with that kind of speed but Ruggs has plenty of slants that he takes in the house as well and he is a physical run-after-catch guy, too. So um, that's a premium price to pay for a yards-after-catch type of wide receiver, you know, the 13th pick. But if you trade back in the first and maybe not past the Eagles, uh, you might have a shot at him. Yak daddy. Yep. I love that. I love that. I think Jalen Rager, I believe his dad, Monte, played for the – Played for the Colts, Colts, so a little yeah. bit of NFL connection there. I'm still trying to think of this restaurant on the north side. What, what was it? Close to downtown, or were you driving up to I don't like? Think so, man. We a, I don't know. We are in an Uber drive that took about 20, 25 minutes. Okay. So you, I have to. Were you in the Broad Ripple area by chance, or were you north of that? Do you know? I don't know. If you tell me the restaurant, I might know. Okay. Lance Zerline, right there from NFL Network. A great follow on Twitter at. Lance Zerline. We'll definitely have to have you on before the draft again, Lance. I'll be around. Love it. Thanks. You, you got it. We'll that's, that's Lance Zerline right there, friend of Chris Ballard's. What do you guys think? Kevin Bowen back on Kevin's Corner. Again, thanks to Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline for those interviews. And sorry if you guys are the diehard of the diehard and have already heard those on the Dan Dockett show, but we're such a wide-ranging audience coast-to-coast, continent-to-continent, honestly, with Kevin's Corner. And uh, I know full well there's a lot of people that didn't hear those or maybe caught bits and pieces of it. So um, I thought both those guys were outstanding. And before we dive into Twitter questions, I did want to go over just a few of those comments. And, you know, starting with Dane, the Herbert or Love going above Tua I I thought was interesting. Seemed like the medicals checked out pretty well for Tua at the Combine. So I, I was surprised to hear that. Um, Dane came out with his latest mock draft. I'm recording this late Wednesday afternoon. He had a three-round mock on Wednesday. He had Jerry Judy going 13 to the Colts. Interestingly enough, he had Jordan Love going 14 to Tampa Bay. Then he had the Colts going um, Jordan Elliott out of Missouri at 34 and Jake Fromm at 44, which is kind of you know, something that we heard him talk about there. Um, in the interview, he had Herbert over Tua in uh, in his mock. He mentioned a quarterback should not be ruled out for the Colts, regardless of whether they signed a veteran like Phillip Rivers or not. But whoever's under center needs more weapons. Ain't that the truth? And Judy, his electric play speed would fill a substantial need. He had Cole Komet going 50 to the Bears, Jacob Eason 61 to the Titans, Chase Claypool 64 to the Packers, Jalen Hurts 81 to the Raiders. So, again, you know, I, I thought some great insight from Dane on that. Lance Zerline knows the stuff for sure, and the Ballard connection I always find really interesting. 
You know, he talked about Ballard not loving wide out at 13. That I think that kind of makes sense for us, you know, in what we've talked about. But the Chris Jones, Javon Kinlaw sort of sort of comparison potentially, boy, that's got to be really intriguing given Ballard's history and, and the need that's at that spot. Man, he hates those day two quarterbacks. Does, I mean, hell, he doesn't really like Herbert and Love. And it's been a while since he came out with a mock draft. But the mock that he had back in January, I, I don't think he had love in round one, which I guess you know backs up what he said um, in the interview. But, man, he definitely is not very high in this quarterback class at, at all, really, after you get through the first couple. And then even when you talk about you know potential Easton, Fromm, Hurts, you know, Gordon, Nate Stanley, um, James Morgan, you know, some of those guys. And, you know, Love, you know, he, he did say a solid starter grade on day two, but certainly not worthy enough in his eyes, you know, to be a top 10 or 15 pick, which that seems to be what the pundits are saying. I'm pretty sure McShay had, I think he had Love going top, I want to say seven, six, something like that in his latest mock. And I definitely wanted to ask him about the um, about the Yak guys, and so I'm glad he mentioned Jalen Rager and Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State and KJ Hamler. A little bit of a surprise. I think he's more of a burner Yak guy versus a kind of Ayuk as a I might embrace some contact and make you miss there. So again, g- g- give me some feedback on that. Do you guys enjoy listening to those or not? And um, it's probably something a lot different than we've done on past Kevin's corners, but I wanted to get. Get that in there uh, before we hop back in a free agency on next week's pod with Joey back. All right, Twitter time, Twitter time, Twitter time. Richard, do you think we'll see a scenario where the Colts will sign Rivers, draft a QB at 13, and then trade Jacoby back to the Patriots? Love the podcast and listen religiously every week from the UK. Love it, Richard. Thanks for tuning in, man. I think if you sign Rivers, draft a quarterback at 13, that guy's got to be your backup. I think that's where Brissett can be expendable. Now, you don't have a whole lot of leverage. I don't know how high of a pick. I don't think you get anything higher than a, hell, top three rounds, maybe top four. But, yeah, I I would move that. Patriots, I guess, essentially makes some sense. Really, it, it could. Wake Spike, hey, guys, with love, having a great performance at the Combine, possibly being gone at 13 which is now the most likely scenario, we take the best available at 13, we trade up accordingly to draft love, or do we mortgage the farm and move up to pick three or four and go for two? Keep rocking the pod. Boy, that's, I mean, that's that's the debate you have to have internally. You know, how much do you love these guys? And for two, you got to love the medical. Because I think there's some attributes that the Colts would really, really like about Tua. But again, the medical is priority number one. So... You know, under that scenario, I probably lean towards best player available, but it depends how high for love. Tim, does the fact that Ursay chose to move on from an aging Manning to rebuild with the Phenom Luck give any insight to what he may prefer going forward? Much different circumstances having the number one pick, but he's also moving on from Manning, not Bursette. Thanks. I love the podcast and listen faithfully. Love that, Tim. Um, I think it's a great debate. I'm not sure how much I touched on this on last week's podcast, but you know, I wrote something on 107.5 The Fan this week about it. What does Ursay's involvement in this decision mean? Again, like Tim points out, it's much different than the no-brainer of picking Manning or picking Luck one overall. So many more dominoes, so many more different cards and plan A through Z on the board, but... Does Ursay, so first off, is this a simple majority? Does it two to one vote? You got to be unanimous for you to pull the trigger. Where are you going? Does Ursay have veto power? And then, you know, for Ursay, how does he look at it? He's been owner for 23 years, outright owner, 23 years. 19 of those years, Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck has been his quarterback. That's greatness. That's high-level play. Does that mean he wants that? Does he think he has to have that? He's been in the AFC. The AFC is really, that's all he's seen. Would that be more inclined to go ahead and move up? 
or does he look at you know Rivers and think short term, short term, baby, sign me up. Missed the playoffs four out of five years. That pisses me off. I want to see. Uh, I need to see a full stadium. I, I want to see the you know. If you can improve just a little bit, can you get to nine wins and then also have the long term in waiting? Matt asks your opinion on the franchise tag. I don't like it. It might compensate the player well, but also take so much bargaining power away from them. Yeah, I, I I agree, Matt. I don't love it. I mean, obviously from a team standpoint, it works out great, but from a player standpoint, it, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, you get paid decently well, but again, it just del- delays how quickly you can get that big contract. Marlon, do you think the Colts are going to make a splash in free agency this year? What do you think about grabbing Rivers and then taking whichever receiver? Da, 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 da. I think we'll get a few other questions on that. Yeah, splash. Yeah, again, who's going to get the free agency? I think that's the first question you have to have. What I've said is this. Last year, you paid the most money for a defensive end with Justin Houston. Funches, I think, was the third highest paid wideout. So now if you add one more significant contract on top of that, Houston, Funches, one more significant, that's what I could see possibly happen here in 2020. And again, a lot's going to depend on who hits the open market. JJ, do Colts fans really want luck to return? He surely has talent, but missed two years because of injuries. Injury status is unknown and unknowable. He is fragile, unreliable, and a head case. He is epitome of the Colts' culture of secrecy, not good for fans. If luck ever wanted to return, would they be better off? Uh, Yes, Colts fans want luck to return, and they should. Uh, Did you watch 2018? Did you watch 2017? 2019? Yes. You want them to return. Maybe there's a small section that disagrees with that, but I haven't heard it. He gives you the best chance at long-term success. Yeah, certainly there's some things in between the years that he's got to figure out, but you would hope if he's willing to come back, he's fully committed. Nick, hey, Kev, love the podcast. My question is considering the rumors on Rivers and assuming so, would you agree it's somewhat telling the future in that, hey, bring in a veteran for competition is more so to groom our future QB in the draft. I love Eason or Hurts. I think it's twofold. Certainly, you improve yourself potentially in the immediacy, but you know, also there is that grooming aspect, the leadership aspect. You know, you just Jacoby Shutt's gonna be worried about keeping a starting job. I don't know how much in the grooming he's gonna have time for, or just you know, naturally want to. And I don't blame him. I mean, hell, he's trying to keep his job long term. You know, the veterans could offer a little bit more of that, but at the same time, Rivers is going to want to try and win a Super Bowl. Brady's obviously playing for a reason, so I think that's just a – it's more of kind of an osmosis thing, less than a, hey, come under my wing for an hour every week and we'll talk about it. Caleb, let's talk about the O-line. If Bowers is looking to improve the right guard position, how interchangeable are guard prospects coming out of college? I'll tell you what, I don't think Bowers is looking to improve that. I think he likes the right side. Something I wrote about a few weeks ago. Now, maybe he just loves the trenches so much it, he ends up overdrafting, but I think he likes the right side more than the uh, more than the public. Tanner, there's so much about Phillip Rivers and the Colts going around. Are Ballard, Reich, and company sly enough to fabricate the whole rumor. I, I know Rivers and Wright gush over each other, but could this possibly be one of those smoke screens Bauer loves to throw out? Honestly, I feel like you're hearing more of the chatter from the Riverside, which that's what you're going to hear, the agency camp-driven thing. I also wonder, like, how much of a smoke screen is needed in free agency? You know, like, you're, you're showing your cards here by the end of the month. And then that's when, I mean, to me, smoke screens come more in the draft. It's not like the Colts would be driving up this Rivers talk and then, boom, last second they do something, you know, different that shocks everybody. Like, at the end of the day, for agency, money talks. The draft is where you got to jump teams and you want to really keep it close to the vest and those sorts of things. AJ, hey, Kevin, longtime listener with my first question for you. With Jordan Love's stock seeming to rise, I think if the Colts want him, they'll have to trade up. With that in mind, what scenario would you like to see? Colts trade up to grab Love. Or the Colts draft defensive tackle at 13, or the Colts trade back to acquire additional 2020 capital 
And of those series, of those scenarios, what do you think is most likely? Most likely, I think Colts draft uh, 13. Draft a defense tackle at 13. What would I like to see? Probably trade up for love. All right, Drew's asking me a crazy one. Let's see if I got this. For the pod, sign Rivers. 13, you trade back for 21 and 53. Number 21, you take Rugs. Is he going to get to 21? 34, you take a quarterback, and he's letting me choose that quarterback. Okay. 44, you take the defensive lineman. 53, you take your backup offensive tackle, future left tackle. 75, you go tight end, Thaddeus Moss, Bryson Hopkins. Three second-round picks, invest in backups, but are the three most important positions. Interesting. Hey, when somebody throw these tradeback scenarios at me, I'm kind of like, ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I just, does Ruggs get to 21? And to me, I just, I, I don't know about the quarterback at 34. I don't. I should trust development. But honestly, I don't, I don't like, I don't shut the door on that scenario at all. It's actually kind of intriguing. Jonathan, when asked about the Taysom Hill type offensive gadget guy, it seems like the 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 kid from Kentucky, Lynn Bowden, and Bowden and Reich, are they looking to add one? That that that's a good question. I think it'd be intriguing to Reich. Now the guy's got to give versatility. He's got to play special teams like Taysom Hill does. But I think they would be something I should ask them. Thanks for listening, Jonathan. Patrick, Redskins are bringing in both Tua and Burrow for interviews with them holding the number two pick. And the fact, if they do take a quarterback, how likely is the Colts would trade for Haskins? Ugh. I don't know. No. No. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Not a big Haskins guy. All right, I missed this question a few weeks ago. PDX Coffee's asking about your thoughts on Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah's response to my question um, that I asked him. So I asked Daniel Jeremiah about two weeks ago, what would he do with, with the Colt situation? He first said, sign Rivers, take Judy, Ruggs, or Lamb at 13, come back at 34, take Jordan Elliott, and then come back at 44 and take a, take a quarterback. Or, you know, vice, vice versa. I think he said Jordan Elliott or even um, Gallimore out of Oklahoma. So very similar, honestly, to Dane Brugler's mock. He said that's one option. The other option is you take Love. Huge upside and potentially a huge payoff. And I, I think those are two options that make a whole lot of sense to me and are legit things the Colts have got away. Jason, with all the quarterback rumors, I feel like there's one scenario that hasn't really been discussed much, and that's Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, Jason. Do you think he'd fit our system? the next four to five years and if so what do you think the draft pick would cost you got to trade for Dalton got to trade for you know Carr got to trade for uh Stafford boy fans would hate it right fans would absolutely hate it just hate it I had on Jim Aiello from the star on uh when I was filling in for Dan a couple days ago and you know this is a scenario he brought up Dalton Mariota do you do something like Tennessee did last year sign a Tannehill and give some pressure and some competition. I don't know how open it would be, but yeah, I don't think Andy Dalton's horrific, but I don't like it. You delay the inevitable. It's not a high ceiling. And those are things I'm trying to avoid this year. Lucas, what's in your golf bag? I have got um, a new Titleist driver, courtesy of my brother. Give me a nice discount there. Uh, but everything else is old. Old, old. My irons are 14 years old. Is that right? Yeah, I got them when I was a sophomore in college or uh, high school. Yeah, so my irons are 14 years old. Putter I've had for 10 years, 8 years. I'm a traditionalist. It's funny, though. I, I was on my um, one-year wedding anniversary a few weeks back, and I uh, did some rental clubs, some new equipment, and I hit it. I was like, man, these irons feel good. But I'm just a big, like, distance control guy. I feel like that's kind of a strength. 
of my game course management's kind of a strength and if that went away i'd be nervous but i'm kind of an old i'm 30 years old but i'm my wife would say i'm like a 60 year old trapped in a 30 year old body yeah, at times i feel like my body's 60 to be frank Cal, if the Colts sign Rivers and Chris Jones, what positions would you target at 13, 34, and 44? Ooh, I'd, try, I'd uh, go quarterback 13. I'd go wideout 34. I'd go best trench player at 44. Uh, best offensive tackle slash defensive lineman at 44. couple more here. Evan says, Ballard said he's ready to spend big in free agency. What do we think the cutoff line is? And Gakwe recently said he wants $22 million. Yeah, that that is a, just a fascinating question, Evan. I can't, you know, obviously I don't have a great grasp on that, but, you know, the C.J. Mosley, Landon, Collin, price tags, those just got a little bit too high. A little bit too high for Ballard. Does that change? Maybe a little bit. Oh, and Gakwe. Boy. Jacksonville, are they dumb enough to trade him within the division? I don't know. All right, we'll end with Jabroni. Off-topic question. I hear you talk about gambling every once in a while, Kevin. What's your table game of choice? Don't tell me you play slots. Slots is something for the Joey Molinaro type, said with love. (laughs) Nah, Joey's not a slot guy. We got some blackjack in a few weeks ago, Joey and I did. Two months ago, I guess now it was. Blackjack, that's my game. That is my game of choice. Shout out to Holton Witch Crew. Won a lot of money on my bachelor party and, and my brother-in-law, Ross Lovers. Big time. Big cash there. I don't gamble a whole lot, but I do think it's fun. I think it's intriguing. Entertainment. That's how you got to look at it, right? You know? Oh, I lost five bucks. I paid five bucks to be entertained by the game. Same thing of, you know, I want five bucks to go watch a movie. How much is a movie nowadays? Ten bucks? All right, everybody, appreciate the Twitter questions. Hope you enjoyed just a little bit of an alternative pod. Again, we'll, we'll probably come back. I'd like to come back early next week before free agency, you know, builds up a little bit more. So maybe like Tuesday morning, give you kind of a free agency blueprint. Talk about that and uh, get to your Twitter questions, and then things are going to ramp up. Things are going to ramp up with uh, tampering March 16th, officially starting, and March 18th, the new league year. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great rest of your week, weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.